The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me, my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Charlene. Last week, David in Psalm 23 says, God guides me in paths of righteousness. Now this week, he says, he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. My mind immediately says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I like paths of righteousness. That sounds like the way I want my life to go. I might not totally know exactly what David was thinking, but when he says that, I feel good. When he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, the turntable sort of like shatters, you know, and falls off the whole table. It's not just like the music awkwardly comes to a stop. It's like, this is not, wait, no, 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 no. If God guides me in paths of righteousness, how do I end up in valleys of darkness? The path of the disciples sometimes goes through darkness. You read Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, Abraham's story. There's some darkness in there, some hardships. You read Jesus' story. He gets baptized. The voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And immediately Jesus goes into the desert and Satan's in his face. That sounds like darkness. Abraham Lincoln becomes president and the Civil War happens, to use just one example from somewhere outside the Bible. That sounds like a hard chapter of life for a guy who becomes president, to go through that. You start going to church and your health suffers. You agree to trust Jesus more than you had, and some other deep, dark, hard situation starts to creep in on your life. What happens when paths of righteousness turn into dark valleys. The path of the disciples sometimes goes through darkness. Now, some of you are mentally or emotionally like heading for the exit door already. You're just sort of like, I don't like this idea. I don't want to, this isn't what I wanted to hear this morning. Well, there's an exit door right there. There's an exit door right here. There's another one. If you brought children with you, it's upstairs. You can go out that way. I mean, that's where we're thinking like, man, this is not this. I was hoping, you know, for really positive stubble. For those of you willing to stay checked in mentally and emotionally, hang with us as God leads us through this. The path of the disciple always goes through darkness. But I'd like to help you think a little differently this morning. The path of the disciple always goes through darkness. Some of you are thinking, some of you get it, but some of you didn't have as much coffee as I did didn't get as little sleep, maybe, whatever. I just want to say the path of the disciple always goes through darkness. It doesn't end in darkness. 
David helps me see life. I realized as I was reading Psalm 23 multiple times this week, I realized, oh, David looks at his life. David looks at just kind of how life works. And he's using his eyes and he's using his faith. He's using his head and he's using his heart. He looks around and says, this is the valley of darkness. This is the valley of the shadow of death. Like he's paying attention to what's going on. He's not in denial. But at the same time, his faith is part of it because he doesn't focus on what he's in. He doesn't look around and say, wow, how dark is the darkness? And, and what is that sound coming from over there in this dark place? And what is that scary thing in the darkness there? He's not staring around in the darkness, focused on the darkness. What he's focused on is God's presence. He says, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Which begs the question, who is this God that's going with David? Well, the good shepherd leads you through valleys of darkness. Psalm 23, a week ago, I said that the guidance of God, the leadership of God was for his name's sake. That's the verse before what we read this morning. And I, I joked about how the Alexa at my house used to tell me when I needed peanut butter, and it used to say, you need some toilet paper, and you need this, and you need that. And I finally unplugged it because I got tired of a machine trying to tell me what to do as far as my daily management of life. And I watched a Netflix movie this weekend. It said that, you know, 90, or this week, 98%, you're going to like this movie. And it was right, 98%. I liked the movie. It was absolutely right. But God's guidance is for his name's sake. Not my comfort, not my satisfaction, not making sure I've always got peanut butter when I want it. This is a God who pledged his character, who promised to be with David and said, for my name's sake, I'm going to be in your life and I'm going to finish what I started and I'm going to bring you through the situations that you go through and get you where I want you going. He's with you and he's active for his name's sake. And what a freedom this is from tremendous pressure. Because without that, I feel all the responsibility to do whatever he wants done to the extent that it's really bringing him glory and it's helping everybody realize, wow, God's so amazing. Because if he's not with me, then the, it feels like it'd be my responsibility to be that superhuman, perfect individual that just does everything God's way. But he says, I'm with you. That's when we're in these valleys of darkness. We say, he's with me. He's working for his namesake. He's guiding for his namesake. So he's not left you and me to an impossible task, some unbelievable challenge that we can't fathom. He's guiding us. He's coming with us. He's powerfully, lovingly leading us. But if he's leading, then my mind immediately says, well, now hold on a minute. Does God create this darkness that we go through? Because he's leading and we're in darkness. And David said he sees it everywhere. It's the valley of the shadow of darkness. So is God leading us into darkness? Does he create this darkness? Well, yeah, sometimes. I think so. And that's hard to hear. But I think about when Jesus was crucified. There came a moment at the end of his life when the whole area went dark. That whole physical space, I don't know exactly how, but around what we call Calvary, it went dark. People were standing in darkness. It had previously been the middle of the afternoon. He dies. The whole area becomes dark. There's something about the activity of God that can create darkness around people. And that's what he does. You think about Moses going before Pharaoh. You know, Moses went to Pharaoh multiple times. 
trying to get Pharaoh to let the people go worship. Pharaoh says, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, one of the plagues that Moses brings is darkness. Darkness. This is what God creates in a part of the time. There's another man named Saul. You know his story. He's opposed to the church as it begins to grow right after the life of Christ. Saul is opposed to the church. He's angry about it. He's being mean to Christians, basically, and even doing all kinds of violent acts against them. And as he does this, he, he comes across literally, or Jesus interrupts his life. Saul goes blind. That's darkness in a sense. He's unable to see. Darkness happens for disciples, but the Lord will lead you through it. The good shepherd leads his children, his disciples, through these dark valleys. Now, Satan, if he's your shepherd, he'll lead you into darkness too. There's darkness, kind of no matter how you cut it. There's a little bit of darkness at least. Satan's going to lead you into darkness as well, but Satan won't lead you out of it. Only Jesus Christ will lead you out of it. He's the good shepherd. See, because Christ came, he died, he rose again so that you could walk in light and in life. And it means that death has lost its sting. It means that the darkness has no power to keep you forever. Jesus has broken that power. God has defeated Satan more through Christ than what David could have ever imagined. So David's saying, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and he's right. But he had no idea just how much victory is available to you. He had no idea just how much overcoming power was available through the death of Christ because it hadn't happened yet. The Bible leaves all of us with a choice. Would you choose this good shepherd? Would you choose a new shepherd? And what master do you want? You don't get a choice about the darkness, at least not when I read my Bible, but you do get a choice about the shepherd. It reminds me of some of these drivers on Route 6 that just make me want to pump the brakes. You know, you can see through your front window that they're not paying attention to what's going on in front of their window. And you're just like, I just want to like give them a, like several more car lengths. I'm not going to name license plates or which states these people come from, but we just don't want to be too close to that plate. You know, it'd be better if you can't even tell which state it is. We'll just be that far away because we just want to keep as much distance as we can. David isn't focused on the valley. He sees with his eyes, but he's walking by faith. He's trusting God. And this combination helps me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can't decide whether to walk by faith or just stick my head in the sand. I just want to just like check out, just disconnect, just disengage. But David manages both seeing with his eyes and walking by faith, being in touch with reality, but really being sensitive to God is actually with me in this situation. I don't know about you, but I think part of the solution is what Hebrews 12 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, being able to fix our eyes on him is part of that. But another part of it is we've got to speak the truth to ourselves and to each other. You've got to say, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You might need to tell yourself this week, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's okay to say that. David was saying it. He was telling God, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He's not sugarcoating his you know, faith in his journey here. But I think we've also got to go farther and say, I fear no evil for you are with me. And we might need to tell each other, you might need to tell yourself on Tuesday or Friday, I fear no evil for you are with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The good shepherd is with you so that you can walk without fearing evil. 
one of my desires for us on Sunday morning, we've got a great worship team. We have a great experience worshiping him. And it's from the sound booth to the keyboard, from singing to clapping, which I'm terrible at. I quit clapping very early because I was just off rhythm. And I was like, I just better quit right now. But I tried. I tried. I heard your desire for percussion. And I tried for like eight seconds, probably. So thank you. For, and thank you to those of you who clapped. It's what, what I want for our worship is songs and praise and clapping and lifting our hearts to God. And, and we, we get that and we pursue that. And it's part of the fellowship we share in is saying, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, someone's with me. I'm praising him. I'm singing to him. I'm thinking about him. I'm connecting with him. And we are doing that together. I have this habit that I formed early in life. It might be a Southern thing. It might be, I mean, introversion. I don't know. Maybe it's just a Ben Green thing. But I formed this habit early in life that when I saw people and they said, how you doing or what's going on or, hey, good to see you, I'd say, yeah, good to see you. Or I'm doing well, you know, doing fine. But I never really went be like below the surface. Just always gave like shallow surface answers. Doing good, how are you? Typically, I would like almost answer the question and like redirect it always to something else. I still do this and I don't think that it's so bad. It's not a lie, I wasn't lying to people. But it was so general, it was, it was just kind of like hiding from a person or hiding the truth from myself. But David isn't doing that. David is so transparent. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And this prayer that I prayed is going to become a prayer which the whole nation of Israel uses. So it's almost as if David stood up, wrote it down, put it on a scroll back then, said, let's put this in the temple so that every Jewish person who comes to worship God knows that there was a time in my life when I walked through the valley of the shadow of darkness and I had evil in my life and I was feeling all these things and fear was on my mind and I'm just telling all of you about it right now. It's so different. It's so different. He just puts it out there. He just puts it out there. They would have been able to say, hold on, our king, our king, David, fought bears and lions and Goliath and the Philistines and did all this stuff. Our King David is dealing with like heavy stuff. He walked through darkness. And now it's like this whole national conversation in the middle of church. Wow. He had a biblical view on his life. He knew that before Genesis 3, Adam and Eve had a choice. They could walk in righteous paths without needing as much help, God had to speak to them, but, but he knows, David knows, you know, I know, we live after Genesis 3. So darkness is unavoidable. Darkness, struggle, it's unavoidable. Doesn't matter what your zip code is, doesn't matter what your season of life is, darkness is a part of life. Now, not every week is bad, not every month is hard. Not every situation, even if life overall is hard, there's probably some glimmers of goodness in it. We don't always feel like we're walking through the valley, thank God. But there are just parts of it. And when we have those moments, we can say, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're walking through a really hard situation. And we can say, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. And it got me thinking, what does it mean by evil? Because even as I think about some of my hardships or some of the ways that this year is already off to something other than the way I wanted this year to go, even as I let live through that and have these experiences, part of me still says, I've had Wi-Fi 
almost every, well, every day. I've had Wi-Fi every day in 2024. I've had food to eat. I live in America. Life is good. Like, life is good, you know? Life is really good here, really good in many places, not without its hardships, not without its challenges, but but it just gets me thinking. So, so I mean, what is David talking about? Like, he's the king of Israel, so prob- he probably had his needs met, probably had a house, had a chariot, I guess, a horse at least. I mean, so, like, what is he talking about? Well, when he says evil, what he means is things that have gone wrong, things not going according to the way God wants them to go. He means harm or misery, Something in his life that's harmful to him, something in his life that's truly miserable, something in his life that's really difficult. He's talking about good things that have been corrupted. He's talking about things that are broken, that should be fixed, that should be working right, but they're not. He's not afraid of all of these, all this wrong, though. He's not afraid of all the brokenness and all the corruption, all the things that are wrong and not as they should be. Because he says, God's rod and God's staff, they comfort me. He says a rod and a staff are comforting, and I don't have either of those, and those aren't words that I use in my life. I don't wake up in the morning and say, where's my rod? I know I left my rod here somewhere. Where's my staff, right? Maybe today he would have said, you know, my iPhone comforts me, right? My locked door comforts me. Some of you say, no, 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 no. I agree. He probably wouldn't have done that. He probably would have ignored it. But what is, he, what is going on here? Well, the most important thing I thought about as I meditated on Psalm 23 is a rod and a staff are comforting because it's easy to lose your way in the darkness and it's easy to get in danger in the darkness. I've done a little bit of night hiking in my life and it's fun, but I've never left the flashlight at home, you know? I still like had a flashlight and a headlamp and my friend said like we had a way to walk through the darkness and there was a moon and different things. But David's not talking about that kind of darkness. He's talking about life darkness. It's easy to get lost in the life darkness and a rod and a staff comfort him. If you're walking in a valley of darkness and you can't see around you, if it's a life of darkness and you can't tell which way is up or which way is left or which way is right, and it's just very frightening and very difficult way, a rod and a staff are comforting because, first of all, we'll start with the staff. A staff can pull you in the right direction. David's using the idea of a sheep, shepherd, staff. It's a stick with a curve at the end. The idea is that the shepherd can reach out with the curved end of the stick hook the sheep, and pull it away. And just like Psalm 139 talked about, even the darkness is as light to you. So for God, the darkness is not darkness. The sheep is in the darkness, but the good news about the staff, the comfort of the staff is that the shepherd can reach out and say, I can see what you can't, and I'm pulling you back. I am pulling you away. I am keeping you out of some situation that in the darkness of your life, you can't even anticipate, but I'm a good shepherd and I'm pulling you along. And the shepherd's staff can also poke or pull or push. I mean, there's different ways that it can be used, but in short, it can make the sheep avoid things because the strength of the shepherd and the sight of the shepherd pulls the sheep where it needs to go or pushes the sheep around some danger or pulls over a plant or whatever the staff needs to do. So that begs the question for me, because I wonder in my own life, like, how will I know it's God? If that kind of action is possible with the shepherd's staff, how do I know that it's God? 
Well, I think number one, it'll be because you want it. Because on some level in prayer, you want God to be guiding you. You want God to be pulling you. You, you, you desire it. It may be that in the moment you're saying, God, right now it's dark. Please talk to me. <laughs> or God, right now it's dark. Please lead me or please get me out of this or please do something. But there's some level in which you want it and you're talking to God about it. Number two, I think you'll know it's him because his strength is greater than your strength. I've had some moments in my life. I'm tempted to not be the shallow conversation person I said and like telling him right now. But you've had some moments in your life. I've had some moments in my life where I really thought I was going to do something or I really thought something was going to happen. And I was driven and motivated and thought I was smart and thought I knew what I was doing. And in the middle of those choices, God's strength turned out to be greater than my strength because I could not do what I thought I wanted to do. Because some combination of life circumstances and things were going on. And it was sometimes we say like God kept closing doors or God kept opening doors because the scriptures say, I will open a door which no one can shut and I will shut a door which no one can open. That's the kind of God we're talking about. So if, if you're living through some situation and, and his pull is more than yours, <laughs> chances are that's your good shepherd. Number three, you'll know it's him because his staff comes with his word. We don't immediately see this in Psalm 23, but Psalm 119 says God's word is like a lamp and a light, meaning it illuminates close by and it illuminates farther out. It has a, a light quality that lights up a big area and a lamp quality which lights up closer to you. And I think his staff comes with his word. I think David's saying my, his staff and his word go together. He speaks to me. John 10.10, 10, Christ says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. There's this idea that even when you can't see what's around you, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what's going on, you might not even be sure where you are. Life might have become so dark, so confusing, but you can relax because the shepherd has his staff and he'll just pull you if he needs to. He'll talk to you, you'll talk to him, but he may just pull you and he's ready to do that. Why is a rod comforting? Well, generally, God has a rod as a symbol of his rule. Moses went down to Pharaoh. He had a rod that God had given him, a staff. And, and God said, this, this is my rod. It's different than the staff for a shepherd. This is my rod. It's a symbol of divine authority. It's a symbol of power. A king has a rod. God gives that to Moses. David would have had a scepter or a rod as a king. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of power. But a rod is also a weapon. I looked this up. A rod is also a weapon. A shepherd, even now today, real shepherds in the Middle East or out in the Western United States where they raise sheep, shepherds have a rod and they practice with it. Now we think of a stick. Now you could hit with a stick. If you had a long stick in your hand, you could hit with it and strike things that are close to you. But what I didn't realize is that shepherds will learn to use the rod that they have and they will throw it a significant distance and hit enemies of the sheep with it. So they don't even need to be over there right next to the sheep if the sheep is in danger. They'll just throw the rod a great distance, and they become very accurate at throwing the rod and hitting enemies of the sheep. So if there's a wolf along the edge of the flock or some other predator coming down, the shepherd doesn't even have to leave where he is. He just takes the rod, throws it, hits the predator, takes the predator out, and then goes over and picks up his staff, or his rod, excuse me. This is the thing that God can do. This is why a rod is comforting. The rod means the king is walking with me. 
we don't as sheep get to carry the rod around, but the sight of the rod, the knowledge that the rod is there means the king is walking with me. And this is one of those moments for us where you might want to whisper to yourself at times or talk to people that you're close with this week, or you might see somebody who's discouraged and remind them of the rod, remind yourself of the rod. There might be a test this week. We have job interviews. We have other moments that you know, start to make us feel butterflies in here, deep fear in here. Those are moments we can whisper to ourselves: the king walks with me. The king walks with me. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. It's not the kind of prayer that's super, you can pray a long time if you want to, but most of us, when you're going in that door, there's the test, the job interview, the stressful situation, the hard challenge. Just take a deep breath and say, the king walks with me. That rod and my staff, they comfort me. Take a deep breath. Because you can tell yourself, it's dark right now, but the king's walking with me. I can't see where I'm going, but the king's walking with me. I don't know what dangers are around, but the king's walking with me. He's got a staff. He'll pull me back from unseen dangers. He's got a rod. He'll attack my enemies. If they're close by, he's got the rod. He's going to hit them. If they're far away, but they think they're coming in and nobody notices, he'll throw the rod and knock them out. David finds comfort in God's power and God's help. You're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness. Because of Christ, if he's your Lord, you're not going to die in the valley. It won't be the end of you. Some of you are going through something or you will go through something, and it might start to feel like, I'm never going to get out of this situation. It's always going to be dark. It's always going to be difficult. It's always going to be hard. You think it's going to be the end of you or the end of your story. But God said no. God said no. God has drawn a boundary. As the good shepherd, I don't know exactly where it is, but God said no. The Bible says my servant, my sons, my daughters shall live by faith. My children shall inherit eternal life. My children will never die. First Peter says, my children have indestructible life. That's how they put it. Well, indestructible life is what you want with you when you go through the valley of darkness because it's indestructible. It is indestructible. Jesus said, my disciples will have life and life more abundantly and eternal life. You won't die in the valley of the shadow of death. You won't die. Even when there are no green pastures, because some of you remember Psalm 23, green pastures, quiet waters. Even when there are no green pastures, even when there are no quiet waters, you will not die in the valley of the shadow of death. How can you live for God when righteous paths turn into dark valleys? God's with you. Keep walking. If there aren't quiet waters, keep walking. If there aren't green paths, he's with you. You will go through the valley of the shadow of darkness. The Bible says he guides you in paths of righteousness. So even if they go into dark places, he must be leading you. So keep walking. His rod and his staff haven't left you, even if all light is gone. You're on the path. Stay on the path. Keep walking. There was a follower of Christ named John. He wrote some of the books of the New Testament. And after Christ left and the church started to grow and spread all over the world and more and more people are hearing the gospel, John's going through a hard season in his life and he talked about this very thing. Jesus is physically gone from him. The Holy Spirit had come, but he can't see the Spirit, of course. All this stuff is happening and John says, I have no greater joy than that my children are walking in the truth. 
That's you and that's me. Keep walking in the truth. Keep walking, keep walking. David doesn't say that evil doesn't exist or evil can't hurt me or evil won't happen to me. He'd be an idiot, frankly, if he said that. Because when Saul was king, Saul persecuted David. And when David was king, other people hated him and chased him and were angry at him. And he got in all kinds of trouble that he didn't deserve to get into. It was God who chose him as king, so why should all these other people be giving him a hard time? He was chased by the king's army. He battled. He hid out in caves. He had all this stuff. So he's not saying David, the evil doesn't exist or evil can't hurt me or anything like that. He'd been through unbelievable trouble. He knew the valley of the shadow of death because of all of his experiences of battle and challenges and struggles. He knew the valley of shadow of death. He was qualified to say, this is the valley of the shadow of death. He had the right to say that. And he's not whining. He's not hiding how bad things are. He's telling the truth. This is bad. And that ought to help some of you. You ought to feel better. You're not the only one walking through a season of life where everything seems dark. David walked through it. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He kept walking. There's an opportunity for you and I, which is to not whine, but to keep walking. You can talk about reality without whining, by the way. You can say, this is the valley, or this is a valley, or this is hard, and that's not whining. That's called telling the truth. If you say it 15 times, you're probably whining. But once, twice, three times, you know, it's fine. Say the truth and keep walking. The word of God creates that razor's edge. Don't whine doesn't mean don't speak. Just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. David says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's the reality of him. He's being truthful with himself. He's being truthful with the whole nation of Israel, which is a lot of people. He didn't do it personally, but he's, he's not hiding anything. And we talked last week about restoration of the soul. David said, God restores my soul, and his soul needed some restoring. And it was present tense. God restores my soul. There's an ongoing restoration happening, and David's not denying harm and evil and brokenness and all the rest. But what does he mean he doesn't fear it? What does he mean when he says, I fear no evil? This has not been... You know, I keep talking about how I try to avoid, so I'm going to be, you know, try to be real. This has not been the best week of my life. And so far, 2024 has not exactly started out like I expected. It's been good, all things, right? Like I said, never had a day without Wi-Fi or whatever, sure, all that kind of stuff. But there have been things that just, like this year, you know, not really what I was, not really what I was planning, not really going according to my desires. Now, I have a lot right, as I said, and it's not truly the valley of darkness, but I was still working it out. What happens to me when paths of righteousness turn into dark valleys? Isn't it a little bit like Monopoly where pastors get like a free card, you know, like get out of, get out of dark valleys for free, right? Except no, nobody gets that card. The card doesn't exist. The card doesn't exist. You're a child of God. Christ himself said in this world, you will have trouble. But the good shepherd is going to lead you into it, through it, and out of it. How can you live for God when righteous paths become dark valleys? God walks with you, so keep walking. Many years ago, I found out that the Appalachian Trail goes across Maryland. I used to live in Baltimore, Maryland. And the Appalachian Trail is about an hour west of Baltimore, Maryland, and it's 41 miles. 
from, I guess, the junction of Virginia and West Virginia and Maryland. It starts right there, 41 miles north to the Pennsylvania border. And something in me, I don't remember all the bits and pieces, but something in me was like, yeah, 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 I think I'll do it. I think I'll do it. I don't have time. I'd have had to quit my job and stop everything to hike the whole Appalachian Trail, but I was like, 41 miles? Let me see. Could I do that in like a day? No. No. Some of you maybe, but not me. So then I was like, all right, what about two days? And I was like, well, that's a little pushing it. So it's like, all right, here's what I'll do. Friday night, I'll get off work. Friday night, hike in five miles. Saturday, probably like 26 or something like that. And then whatever's left Sunday. I'm not great at math. What'd be left? Like 10 on Sunday? Then I got even smarter. I talked to a friend into doing it with me. So we do it together. Well, we get there, and I'm all gung-ho. I'm like, once I've said I'm doing something, I'm going to do it. And my friend flew from out of state, so I can't say, like, well, uh, you want to go get a pizza? You know, like he could have stayed at home and done that. So we're doing it, except it's cold and it's rainy. And it's cold and it's rainy on Friday, and it's cold and it's rainy on Saturday, and it's cold and it's rainy on Sunday. And so then, you know what happens when you hike long distances in the rain? Like you wear, at least this is the mistake I made, I wear a rain jacket. Well, all the water goes off a rain jacket except what? It goes on your pants and down your boots. And then 41 miles is like a long way, it turns out. And so, yeah, see? See, this is right. This is the kind of thing that comes to you now on a Sunday morning inside a building. You all are on a good path for life. These are the kind of things I had to take like Saturday afternoon. I realized like my socks or shoes, pants, nothing is going to get dry. And all I'm going to do is like walk in the rain and the cold. And I'm like, this is not like my friend and I, I could have treated my friend better than this. You know, he's still friends with me, but it's different. And here we go. And we're just going to have to finish this thing because the way this works is like, you, I mean, you could turn around, I guess, and get back to the other car, but whatever. So we just keep going. Our only way was to keep going. Our only way at some point was just keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And we did it. And we finished it. We had aching knees and, you know, ruined clothes and all the rest and all that. But keep walking. Last year, Eric and Tammy did a thing called the Camino del Santiago. It's like a 500-mile walk in Spain. They walked from like one place in Spain to another place in Spain. Had this deep, deep experience and also just a lot of fun, I think, hiking. I, I've never heard like that whole story, but that's 500 miles, I think. They just kept walking. They just kept walking. They just kept walking. And they found out, if you ask them, they'll tell you, they found out Jesus was with them. Jesus, when they came back, they talked about it some, but I bet if we could have dinner with them, they'd say, like, let me tell you all the ways that we saw Jesus with us. That didn't happen to me in Maryland, by the way. Like, it was just grit. It was just sort of like grinding, wet discomfort. And thankfully, it was only for a weekend. But you, in your darkness, you in your valley, whenever you say, I'm with Jesus, we're on paths of righteousness, and you find yourself in a dark valley, he is with you. Keep walking. One of the things that we're experimenting with as we close in worship is a time to just be with the Lord, to just respond to him a little bit. And I don't know if it happened for you on a Thursday or if it happened for you right now in worship, but I just give you some time to think about the reality that going through the valley, you heard the rest of Psalm 23, going through the valley means that he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemy. Going through the valley means at some point you're going to say, surely goodness and mercy have followed me. 
You're going through the valley, but you're not there yet. Or you may not be there if you're starting to think about this. And this is a time as we just listen and sing, pray. You can come over to where the communion vases are. You can come talk to me. You can pray quietly. See, you can get up and like go to somebody else and say, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But if you want to sit alone with the Lord or you talk to somebody, either way, it might be a time when you want to say, God, I need you to use that rod right about now. Or God, it's pretty dark and I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure I need your staff. Or at least, God, I surrender to your staff. Give me a pull this week when I need it. Or throw something at my enemies. (laughs) Doesn't sound like what you'd expect from the pulpit, but it's what the Bible says. He can throw that rod at those enemies of yours. You might not be able to say, I fear no evil. But if David, a human being, could say, I fear no evil for you are with me, then you can too. And this might be an opportunity for you just to spend time with him. So as you do that, you're welcome because the king walks with you.